Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Summertime leads to lots and lots of time playing outside in the summer sun. We need to protect our children's skin from the harsh rays of the sun. But navigating through which type, SPF, UVA slash UVB, waterproof or water resistant, it can all be confusing. I'm Dr. Caroline Piggott, dermatologist specializing in pediatrics at Scripps Clinic, here to help us better understand the sunscreen labels, and this is Parent Savers, Episode 16. Faster than a speeding toddler. Sit still for just a minute. Can soothe boo-boos with a gentle kiss. Did you get down from there? Able to clean poopy bottoms in a single swipe. Oh, what did you eat? Turning frazzled mommies and daddies into procreators of peace and harmony. Ah, quit touching me. It's Parent Savers, empowering new parents everywhere. Welcome to Parent Savers, broadcasting from the Birth Education Center of San Diego. I am your host, Casey Wilt. You can now take Parent Savers with you wherever you go. Our apps are now available in the Amazon, Android Market, and the iTunes App Store. They have great features like the ability to star your favorite episodes, as well as get instant access to our most recent episodes and social networking sites. Another way to get great parenting information is to subscribe to our Parent Savers newsletter, featuring exclusive behind-the-scenes content from our show, special giveaways, discounts, and more. So visit our website, parentsavers.com, for more info. I am a new parent myself. My son, Carson, is 20 months old, and I'm joined by three new parents here in the studio. I'm Danelle Detroit, 32 years old, and have two sons. I'm Owen Hemsaf. I have three boys. I have a 5-year-old, a 14-month-old, and my newest son, Benjamin, was born earlier this month. Uh, and I'm a videographer in Oceanside, California. And uh, I'm Nick Jones, and I'm 30 years old, and I have one son, Weston, and he is 15 months, and um, I work in marketing. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Before we start today's show, here's a question for one of our experts. Hi, my name's Megan. I'm from Chicago, Illinois. And my question is in regards to breast infections. Um, I had some pain on my breast a couple weeks ago, and I didn't know if it was an actual infection or if it was a clogged duct. So I'm just wondering how to tell the difference between an infection and a clogged duct. Thanks. Hi, Megan. This is Robin Kaplan from the San Diego Breastfeeding Center. I'm also the host of the Boob Group radio show, and I am um, calling in to answer your question about how to know the difference between a plug duct and an infection. Um, actually, there are many different ways um, that distinguish between a plug duct and an infection. They both kind of start out the same way, where a plug duct will feel 
almost like a small pea in um, different parts of your breast. I find that a lot of women have them either up near their armpit or actually underneath their breast, but some of them will find them on the top and even close to the nipple. But essentially, those plug ducts typically um, can resolve themselves within about 24 hours using some nice, you know, warm compresses um, and some gentle massage while you're breastfeeding to try to get rid of that plugged area. Um, the difference between that and an actual infection such as mastitis is that mastitis starts often as a plug duct, but it continues beyond that. So you'll get a red patch on your breast, it'll be hot to the touch, um, really uncomfortable, and um, you'll start feeling actually like you have the flu, like really, really tired, not just postpartum tired, but actually really exhausted, and you'll probably be running a fever of over 101. And um, the way to get rid of mastitis, because that's essentially what mastitis is, is a traffic jam in your breast. So you have a blockage that's not being able to be repaired. And so the milk behind that blockage is actually becoming infected. So the way to get rid of that infection, lots of um, OBs or midwives um, will often put you on some sort of antibiotic to get rid of that infection. Um, I typically start with something a little bit more mild, such as using a castor oil compress and not actually ingesting the castor oil, but putting on a face cloth and putting um, a warm, like a warm, um, a hot, I can't, a heating pad, that's what I'm looking for, a heating pad on top of it, um, 20 minutes at a time to see if that can kind of resolve it. Castor oil is fantastic because it breaks up blockages even when it's used topically. Um, and also you can take things such as ibuprofen to reduce swelling. Um, but really trying, there's some herbs also like dandelion that can help get rid of infections too. But you would want to work with someone who knows a lot about that, like an acupuncturist or an herbalist. And many lactation consultants will recommend that as well. Um, and then if it's not resolved, then antibiotics are often needed because it will get rid of that infection and help you just start feel much better. Regardless of the fact that whether it's a plug duct or actual mastitis, you definitely want to nurse your baby or pump if that's the case because it's too uncomfortable to nurse um, to help remove the milk because the only way to get rid of that um, infection or the plug duct is actually to remove the milk that's kind of plugged up there. So it's not that the milk is infected. Um, you can actually feed your baby regardless, um, and it's actually really beneficial. So I hope that answers your question, and thanks so much for calling into the Parent Savers. If you have a question for one of our experts, simply call the Parent Savers hotline at 619-866-4775, and we'll answer your question in an upcoming episode. Today on Parent Savers, we have Dr. Caroline Piggott, dermatologist specializing in pediatrics, here to talk with us about sunscreen. So, doctor, what age should we use sunscreen on our little ones? You know, the issue of when to start using sunscreen is a great question, and actually the perfect answer to this question is a little controversial even in academic literature. Hmm. Uh, I consider the premier academic pediatric society in the U.S. to be the American Academy of Pediatrics, and I find this to be an excellent resource on this subject. What they recommend is that for children under the age of six months, really the policy should be keep them out of the sun, period. Hmm. Beyond the age of six months, sunscreen is really safe and considered safe by this academy. The common components of sunscreen, and my favorite of the chemical types of sunscreen, UV blockers, is oxybenzone, and that's in a lot of different sunscreens available commercially. And this is one of the few ingredients in sunscreen that really 
protects. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Our skin, baby skin from both types of harmful sun rays called UVA and UVB, and it is FDA approved for babies over the age of six months. Other sunscreens have similar, very similar approval. Um, there's uh, zinc oxide and titanium uh, dioxide-containing sunscreens that are great. Uh, just in, a general tip for ba- children over the age of six months, I would recommend that you apply sunscreen all over the body, not just on the face, not just on the hands. You never know when the sleeves are going to be pulled up, things like that. It's really important, though, to be careful not to get anything in the eyes. For example, if your baby accidentally rubs sunscreen into his or her eyes, I would say it's best to wipe them, both their eyes and their hands clean, with something like lukewarm uh, water with a damp cloth. So if I'm in a hot climate and I'm always outside and my baby's just a few months old, I know covered up, stay out of the sun, but sometimes that's not a reality. Do you think it's better? I mean, I've heard um, philosophies saying, well, it's better to put sunscreen on them under than six months rather than then get burned. So you'd agree with that? I completely agree with it. Even, the reason it's not approved is it just hasn't been tested. Hmm. It doesn't mean there's any evidence to show it's unsafe. So rather than get a blistering sunburn, I would put on sunscreen. For sure. Uh, blistering sunburns in childhood make you more at risk to get skin cancer like melanoma. Hmm. And the trade-off, I, I just don't think it's worth the risk. So if there's no way around it, absolutely put sunscreen on your baby now, under six months. What, what, are you, what is the sunscreen actually protecting against? This UVA, you know, and I was, I was saying UVA. <laughs> uh, beforehand, but what is what are we, what are we talking about? So basically, the goal of sunscreen in basic is to protect you against the harmful rays of the sun. The most damaging kinds of visible light are UVA, like you said, and UVB. And what that stands for is ultraviolet A and ultraviolet B. There are certain wavelengths of, uh, of sunlight that are, are the most damaging. And the reason we want to protect ourselves against this, like I mentioned, is to prevent the risk of skin cancer, but also um, the sun's rays all result in wrinkles at a later age. So you're 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 doing work now to pro- to change the appearance of your skin when you're older. Your babies will thank you when they're older. Exactly. <laughs> and each blistering sunburn that a child gets increases their risk multiple fold. Now I, you know, okay, I'm I'm part Mexican and my kids, my wife is Mexican. And so we've got, or Latina, uh, I hope she doesn't, baby, I'm, I'm sorry. She's Colombiana. Um, but we're, we're Latino and our kids are Latino. So I was out I never wore sunscreen as a kid. I never got burned yeah. and I don't have skin cancer, you know? So it's, it's yet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, and that, in terms of having that risk, having that, that really, you know, voracious burn, you know what I mean? And then you've got these sunscreens that are full of chemicals that you're dousing your baby. in. so, um, is it, is it different for everybody? Uh, you know, based on skin tone and melanoma. Yeah. Um, is that the right word? I yeah, no, uh, there's different types of skin cancer. There's non-melanoma skin cancer, which are things like basal cells and squamous cells. Those are the most common types. And then there's melanoma, which is a little less common than those, but the most deadly to your life uh, comparatively. And so to answer your question, um, even people who have what we call the darker skin tones or African-Americans, for example, can get melanoma. Mm-hmm. 
So is no, it less likely? A little less likely. I agree. Uh, you know, the lighter you are, the higher the risk. But nobody is without risk. Just there's there's not a person. And so the harmful rays that cause those things, and are they are they causing it? Are they putting things into your skin, or are they um, uh, causing mutations in, in on the cellular level? Basically, little every day you get sun, you get a little bit more damage, and it really is at a cellular level. Okay. And the more the more you get, the higher the risk. Basically, and so the sunscreens they have uh, uh, deterrence in them. Right. So um, th- there's different ingredients depending on the sunscreen. Um, some of them contain chemicals, and some of them actually have more of a physical blocking effect. And those are the zinc oxide and titanium dioxide type sunscreens. Okay. And what is SPF, and what number should we look at using on our children? So SPF stands for sun protection factor. And it, there's this complicated way of figuring out SPF, and scientists do that on each sunscreen. Basically, what they do is they take human subjects and they have them indoors, but they expose them to the amount of light that would be similar to being outside, say, at noon. And the half of the subjects will wear sunscreen and half of them will be with no sunscreen. And what they do is compare the amount of redness from one group to the other, and there's sort of this complicated formula, but in the end they come up with that sun protection factor or or SPF. And in this measure, um, it's actually measuring only UVB protection and not UVA. So just saying an SPF alone doesn't protect you from all types of of harmful uh, radiation. You know, a lot of fancy calculations are involved, but a good guide is SPF of 15, for example, will filter somewhere around 92% of UVB. And the higher you go, the more, the higher the percentage. Is there is there sunscreen that fil- filters out the UVA? Did, did you already say that? that no, there, uh, there definitely is. And so what you should look at on your sunscreen label is, does it say UVA and UVB protection? In this day and age, there's no sense in getting a sunscreen that doesn't protect you against both. And and that's sort of where the terminology broad spectrum mm-hmm. uh, comes into play. So if it says bo- broad spectrum, it's both of them? Um, so... That's uh, that brings into the the, the uh, topic of the FDA. In the past, when sunscreens had labels like broad spectrum, it was a little ambiguous yeah. what exactly was involved in yeah. that, and there there wasn't really an official rule. Well, the FDA is currently working on a new rule, which is supposed to come out in the next few months. Which means, if it says broad spectrum on the label, once this comes into effect, it means both are protected against, so both UVA and UVB. And once those rules are, com- are are in play, you cannot claim broad spectrum without those. Now, is there, you say, uh, you know, like an SPF 15 blocks 92%. Is that kind of stuff going to be on the label? Not details like that, uh, but it will have the SPF uh, indicated. And uh, generally, the general rule is the higher, the better. And so there may be a Google search. If, if yeah. you're as a parent wanting to know the details, you could kind of Google search that. Exactly. Okay. It's, it's easily available on the Internet. So for sticking on kind of this label topic and me being in marketing, stuff like waterproof and sweatproof, are these just buzzwords? Should we should we trust that? Or, you know, what's what do we need to know about that? No, great question. So in the past, everyone thought it would be better. One would be better than the other. For example, waterproof was thought to be better than water resistant. But the regulations were really unclear. So this is another uh, subject that the FDA is trying to tackle. And in the near future, the word waterproof is not even going to be allowed because nothing is 100% waterproof. So instead of this, um, there's going to be a label saying whether or not the sunscreen remains effective for either 40 minutes or 80 minutes while swimming or sweating. And that's going 
going to be on the label. Sunscreens that are not water resistant are going to have to include a direction for the for the consumer to use water resistant sunscreen if swimming or sweating because that product doesn't have it. So basically, do you recommend, you know, Weston gets out of the pool, I dry him off, I put more sunscreen on him? Sure. Is that what we're doing here? Exactly. Um, Nothing is foolproof. So the minute your your child gets out of the pool, I would reapply a thick layer. I don't think Weston's a fool, though. That's what you're... No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Is that what came out, fool? (laughs) (laughs) I need to enunciate pool. Excuse me. Uh, Yeah. As a general guide, um, if you're in the sun, whether or not you're in the water... You need to reapply every two hours. It doesn't matter what environment you're you're in, but certainly a quick dip, dip in the pool. I would reapply. Now that see that that's where that's a buzzword that that dings for me. It's like of course they want you to put on more sunscreen because they want you to uh, to buy more sunscreen. You know what I mean? So if you're not in the pool, if you're not sweating, I mean obviously you're in the sun, you're at Sea World or whatever the case, but the Animal Park, you know, it, you really need to be applying that much because I worry I worry immensely about the amount of chemicals that I'm putting on my child's skin. It doesn't have the immune system that I have. Doctors and the product makers as well recommend the two-hour rule, especially because most people under-apply sunscreen. And for people who are worried about the chemicals, again, go to the physical blockers like the zinc oxide and titanium dioxide, and they don't contain all those extra chemicals. So the zinc and the titanium, because those are the ones that actually scared me the most. Like, we, oh, don't, yeah. we don't use deodorant with aluminum in it, you know what I mean? Okay. That sort of thing. You know, so I hear zinc and titanium, and I'm like, that's it. those are in my car. You know, do yeah. I want those on my skin? So, Well, believe it or not, those are actually the ingredients in diaper paste. So if you're when you when your baby was a newborn and had a little rash on his tushy, yeah. you put butt paste on, and that's actually the same ingredients that are in those physical blockers. So, sure. and zinc is actually from all the chemicals. It's probably one of the. Don't quote me on it, but probably one of the better in my research. There's a month of the year that cancer takes friends or something like that, and there's a bunch of dermatologists that allow free skin screenings. It's promoted by. A makeup company like I don't know it's one of the makeup companies so my husband and I didn't have very good health insurance so we went to one when, <clears throat> a while back and we called up and we did our free screening of all the moles and everything else and the doctor said your zinc is going to prevent you from cancer not necessarily sunscreen because my husband is a surfer we're in the sun all the time and so we've now from that moment on our sunscreen has to have zinc in it and ironically i go to the local drugstore i look at all the sunscreens two of the 20 have zinc in it and the doctor then tells me you know he said zinc is what prevents the cancer is there a cost are they a little bit more expensive no, actually it isn't. It's the same cost. In fact, some of them, one of them has a brand name, like one of the, not brand name, I'm sorry, the store brand name. Sure. So it was the generic, the cheap bottle of the drugstore company, and it had zinc in it. And that was, you know, the cheapest of them all. But wow. you had to look for it, and it, it was a pain. And finding the Australian companies, though, they all have zinc in it because they're but smarter. You no, know, <laughs> you, you know why. They have the highest incidence of skin cancer, like melanoma, in the world. And actually, Australia, on that topic, it's very interesting. The schools in Australia now require that they have, for the children when they're outside playing, a shaded area. Like, it's required that there's a, a safe shaded area for the children to play in, mm, which interesting. I thought was interesting. That's all very foreign to me. We we were out in the sun. We turned dark brown. My kids turned dark brown. You know, and it wasn't until I got, I, I mean, I don't wear sunscreen at all. You know, and my wife is always trying to spray it on me. You know, I'll walk by her and, you know, she sprays it on me. Uh, but it's it's interesting that it's that I, I hear about these things melanoma. I was a surfer. I was on the sun too long. I just don't relate to it because I just don't burn. Is it because the ozone layer is getting thinner and thinner, and we have to be more and more careful? 
I think that certainly plays a role. But uh, I see a lot of uh, older patients as well in my practice. And, you know, they're in their 70s and 80s. And they, they tell me about when they were young, they used to rub oil on to yep. get a tan. And now, unfortunately, especially ha- being in Southern California, there's so much skin cancer. It's actually frightening. Is there a hereditary link with skin cancer? Correct, especially in melanoma. There's both a sort of genetic factor and an environmental factor, so the sun plays a role. But certainly in people who have a family history of melanoma, especially they're definitely at higher risk than So what would you don't. say to someone like me as I'm ranting about, no, it's not the case for me, not the case for me. What, what would you say to me? What would you tell my wife, so to speak, you know, to, to, to information that would convince a dark skin, olive skin person that, look, even if you're not burning, you need to be protecting yourself with sunscreen? It's just the statistics. Everyone has a risk. There's no one who has no risk of skin cancer. And also, you're you're a lot younger than the age at which skin cancer often presents. Shows up, so yeah, sure. Just because you know you're you're in your 20s and 30s now doesn't mean you're not going to get skin cancer. You know, in your 60s and sure. 70s. Well, at least I guess age gracefully, you can look 60 and still look like you're 25 with not a lot of skin damage. Exactly. I <laughs> yeah. I, I have teenagers coming into the office all the time, and they don't want to wear sunscreen. They're not. They think that they're not going to get cool, skin. It's not right. cool. You know, I'm never going to get skin cancer. And then another one thing I bring up is it also prevents, you know, solar aging, we call it, or, or wrinkles. So that you had me at that, like wrinkles. Well, you know what I do? <laughs> you know? As my wrinkles start going, I just get a little bit more sun and then it looks. <laughs> <laughs> and are there different types of sunscreen, like physical and chemical yes. ones that we should be looking out for? Yes, it depends. You know, a lot of people um, just don't like the chemical ones, so go straight to the physicals. Basically, what what it means is the physical sunscreens reflect the sun's rain rays. It's almost like you have protective clothing on. So the sun comes in and then it reflects it off versus the chemicals, which basically absorbs and in in that mechanism protect your skin against the sun's rays. Sort of more the traditional sunscreens that we've been using for the last few decades are chemical, but a lot of the sunscreen companies are moving towards the physical blockers. Both are good. I, I recommend both to my patients. Um, the, the and and some some sunscreens contain both. So, what about the? We all have the friend who uh, you know comes out to the pool with a long sleeve shirt on. Uh, do, are, are your clothes going to act as a sun guard, or is the sun going to penetrate those clothes and you're still at risk to some degree? Of course. Um. I, again, nothing's perfect. The tighter the weave in the fabric, actually, the more protection you get, and the hotter you're going to be. So exactly. Some of the some of the some of the wicking fabrics, the yes. long johns, they're they're really not going to be that effective. Yeah. Okay. For in Southern California, I think a, a good recommendation, you know, is consider a rash guard, or if you're out surfing, wear a full length wetsuit. Those sure. can be more protective. But then don't forget to protect your face and hands. Yeah. I have one more quick question before we wrap this up. Um, we talked about SPF a little bit earlier. Um, I've heard rumors that anything over 15 there's no there's no extra protection is the 15 is the 50 better than the 15 uh, that's a great question so I always tell patients at least 15 but honestly the higher the better and the FDA is actually changing their regulations so you know you see on the market right now uh, sunscreen that can go as high as a hundred yeah once the new rules come into effect nothing is going to be able to say anything more than 50 or maybe 50 plus they'll and be able is to put. 50 actually reliable correct yes five, I think five, five zero five zero is stronger than one five uh, and I tell patients you know if you can afford the higher ones do it. When we come back, we'll talk more about the new FDA regulations. What have they changed and what it means to you? We'll be back shortly. 
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We're back with Dr. Caroline Piggott talking about sunscreens. So there are new regulations with the FDA on sunscreen labeling. What will we see changing? So I, I already mentioned some of the changes. Uh, a significant one is the change from being able to say that you're sweat-proof or waterproof. The new changes are going to have that mention of, you know, either either it works up to 40 minutes, 80 minutes, and that's going to be what it's limited to. And uh, sunscreens that don't have that, that uh, sweat or waterproof protection are going to have to recommend that people who do sweat or are in the water purchase the other product. When will we see this go into effect? Great question. They were supposed to actually do it in June of this year, and now now we're already into the end of July. The reason it's been postponed is actually because for a lot of the smaller sunscreen companies, it's been a little bit difficult to change all of their labels in time. So that's one of the reasons it's later. They're also still looking at couple other factors but the main the main the main reason it's delayed is because it's been difficult for some of the smaller rather than larger companies mm-hmm. to change their labels. So then what's the shelf life of the sunscreens? Will these people be putting the old stuff on with new labels or and then if I've got stuff in my cabinet do I have to, you know, throw it all away and get all the new stuff? Will stuff from last summer work for this summer? So just I'm sorry, just to confirm, we're not talking about a change in the recipe. Correct. We're talking about a change in the label. Correct. Okay. So it's the same it's going to be the same stuff, the label is just going to be more clear. Okay. That doesn't mean that what you already have is bad. But a general rule is always look on the sunscreen bottle. It will have an expiration date. Anything beyond that, throw it out. So even if it won't protect? Uh, you just don't know what's happened to whatever's in the bottle beyond the expiration date. But, I mean, they give us a, an expiration on the milk, and then we know that milk is good seven to ten days, you know what I mean, until around that time. Maybe my wife <laughs> wouldn't agree with me. But, I mean, can't it be this? It's like, do you really have to? Th- it's not poisonous. What I recommend is after a year, you should really be throwing it out. And it may okay. even be before the expiration date. And the reason is you often have your bottle sitting out in the hot sun. Sure. And, and you just don't know what happens to the container. It, you know, the, it could be the, if the container is open, there's a risk of other things getting inside. And quite frankly, if you still have the same bottle of sunscreen a year later, you are not using enough. Is there like a BPA thing like there is with some water bottles with the, the plastic that, um, uh, you know, it as de- it degenerate in the sunscreen? It corrodes oh. out there. Because typically we get rid of our sunscreen if we can't open the top anymore. You have to <laughs> press it shut. You know what I mean? Now it's like, well, that's disgusting. Let's get rid of it. Yeah, the plastic's melted. Yeah get rid of it. No. So I have a question for you, Dr. Piggott. Um, my wife's a little bit more of a, a hippie than I am, and she likes the organic brand and she uses it on Weston. Should we be worried about that since there's, I'm assuming, less chemicals? Is it doing the same job? or? Well, the, the, a lot of the same rules apply to organic products. You still want to look at the SPF, make sure it's high enough. Uh, just because it's organic, an SPF of five is still unacceptable. Um, you also want to look at the ingredients. Um, Make sure there's not too many fragrance and fragrances and extra things added in because there's actually a risk of an allergy if there's too much extra stuff in the product. So, what I recommend with any, if you're when in doubt, do a little test spot on your child's forearm. Make sure they don't get red or allergic to it before using. But otherwise, 
I fully, fully recommend organic sunscreen. And now, when you say organic, we're talking about no chemicals in it, all natural products? Uh, even organic things, unfortunately, contain chemicals. Um, there's, not, there's no great, there's not an FDA for chemicals in organic products, unfortunately. So there still could be chemicals inside them. Sure. And I know there's a lot of people like me that the FDA stamp of approval means very little. You know, the FDA has not approved a ton of great products. Um, <laughs> and it's, it's, an, it's an expense thing. They, they didn't have the, the money to go to, to the FDA with these things. Um, but is there a great or, or is there is there any kind of all natural holistic uh, type of sunscreen that, you know, would work? If you have an organic product that contains zinc oxide or titanium oxide, I think that's probably the most mild, gentle of so all. So those are the keys. The zinc and the titanium is the key. I think so. OK. So uh, we have an email question from Jane Park, and she says, I read that sprays, not pumps, but aerosols are bad for kids with asthma. Is that true? Unfortunately, there haven't been great studies on that, but any aerosolized particles in general do have the risk of bothering someone with a baseline-sensitive airway, so I recommend avoiding them. And actually, the FDA is currently investigating this issue as well. But my main worry with sprays, actually, is that you're going to miss a spot and get a sunburn. You wouldn't think that it would cover more ground with the spray? You would think, but the, you see so often. That's yeah, that's exactly what I was uh, That's a great, you would think you would cover more ground, but think about at the beach, you see you see the person who has that little round or triangular patch on their back where they've missed because the, the spray, you can't quite see it as well. The other issue with sprays is occasionally uh, the, the the layer is not quite as thick as, as you need to protect yourself. So you might actually, while it might say SPF, you know, 50, if you don't uh, spray on a thick enough layer, it might actually be lower than that, what you think. Well, you know, we do the spray and rub. As, yeah. You know, that's because your kids are yeah. on the go. You're like at the beach, you yeah. know what I mean? And, and you want to like maximize that time. So yeah. we, with one arm, you're grabbing the kid. The other arm, you're spraying him down. Yeah. And then you just kind of... I think, yeah, you know, like I think you're making hamburger. I think if you spray and rub, that's a lot better than just spray alone. Sure. And what other ingredients should not be in sunscreen that are kind of a red flag when we're looking for different ones? Um, there's been a lot of uh, talk lately about the vitamin A's and the oxybenzone. So I think that that may be what you're referring to. And I'm actually fine with those ingredients as long as the patient has no allergy to them. There's this group out there called the Environmental Working Group that has really raised the issue of the vitamin A's and the oxybenzone. And there's a lot of controversy on their statement because of the way they've carried out their studies. Um, and these ingredients have been used safely for many years. And in fact, oxybenzone is in ha about half of commercially available sunscreens. And really, there's no strong data to support their claim that they are bad. And so, but, you know, again, when in doubt, go to the physical blockers, like I mentioned before, the, the zinc and the titanium dioxide. And I've even seen on the environmental working group, they've got a list of sunscreens that are the, the toxicity rating that they rate them at. Um, and actually, I liked going to their website, whether the vitamin A, oxybenzone is, you know, up for discussion. But some of the ones that are in the top that have the least amount of toxicity, so we're talking about the organic sunscreens again, they actually have zinc and they have titanium and they're minus the controversial, um, you know, ingredients. So, it, you know, they, they may... Their study may be a little bit flawed in some way, but in the other way that you can get, you know, some good facts of zinc and everything else that's in your sunscreens. Would you still recommend to for a day on the beach? Like, okay, so you've got this great sunscreen that meets your personal requirements, but hey, bring an umbrella. 
you know, still Absolutely. bring a, you know, bring a, you know, an overhang, you know, I mean, you can get these at the big box stores for a hundred bucks, 70 bucks. Or sit on, you know, if there's a, a tree covered area, sit, have your children sit under that. Um, especially the babies. Definitely though, sure. under six months, they have to be under an umbrella or yeah. you, they get the, they have those portable inflatable products that you can get in any store that you just make a little fort for your little one. So is there anything else? I mean, I'm always weary about marketing. Is there anything else we as parents need to know about sunscreen or should be aware of? Um, basically, the, f- the fact is that no sunscreen is perfect. Nothing is foolproof. Um, nothing is perfect. Uh, an important thing to remember is to put on enough. Um, so Henry Lim, this, he's this world expert on sunscreen. He's a famous doctor in the dermatology f- field. Um, he's been quoted as saying you need about a shot glass size or a golf ball size to cover you. And pretty much mo- the majority of people don't use that much. So we're underusing. But, but what, what I like to tell patients is sunscreen is your backup plan. It's not what you're using to protect yourself. Clothing, hats, wide brim hats, umbrellas, those should be the first line. Moderation. Moder- Sunlight yeah. <laughs> moderation. True. And, and as a general rule, I, I prefer SPFs of 30 or higher in general if you're going to get one out there. Thank you so much, Dr. Piggott, for helping us learn about sunscreen and apply it. If you want more information, go to today's show on our episodes page on our website. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Before we say goodbye, here are some tips for going green. Hello, Parent Savers. I'm Amy Sorter, ecopreneur and co-founder of EcosavvyMoms.com, where you can find information for your family on going green, saving money, and looking great while doing it. Today, we're going to talk about the importance of sunscreen for your family and what to look for when selecting safe and effective sun protection. Now, choosing the best sunscreen for your family is, I know it's really overwhelming. There's so many different brands on the shelf, and uh, it's scary because recent reports have emphasized the need to be savvy sunscreen consumers, especially a new study I just read about from the CDC or the Center for Disease Control. Now, it found that nearly all Americans are contaminated with oxybenzone. What? It's a sunscreen chemical that has been linked to allergies, hormone disruption, cell damage, and low birth weight. In fact, like many of the products we use every day, there's relatively little information regarding potential long-term health effects, especially when it comes to child health and development. As always, take precautions and use the safest sunscreens. And I've got just a few tips for you that are important things to look for when buying a sunscreen. Now, there's two basic types of sunblocks people don't know about. There's what's called the physical barrier, and then there are the chemical barrier sunscreens. Now, the physical barrier sunblocks are, in general, the safest, and they're the most effective. The active ingredient in these sunscreens are zinc oxide. I think everyone's hopefully heard of that. And then there's titanium oxide. Now, these types of sunscreens are very effective in blocking both UVB and UVB. UVA sun rays and are considered to be the safest sunscreens to use. The best sunscreens of this type will contain all natural ingredients. 
mostly names that are recognizable to the average user. Now the other type, the more dangerous type, are chemical barrier sunblocks, and they contain chemical ingredients that absorb UV light before it can cause any skin damage. However, the more chemicals present in the sunblock, of course, the more potentially hazardous it's going to be, and who wants to put that on your children and absorb right in through your skin? So what I like to look for and things to avoid, obviously I just discussed chemical barrier sunblocks, and unfortunately, they make up the lion's share of the market, including most of the well-known brands. And uh, I hate to say this because Cost is of no indication of superior safety or effectiveness, so don't be fooled by a higher-priced item. Spray-on sunscreens create the risk of inhaling some of the mist, which means you're also inhaling harmful chemicals. Now, the last thing to look out for are fragrances and parabens that can cause allergies, asthma, and have been related to other long-term potential health issues. The best sunblock products to look for will have an SPF of at least 30. That gives you the most protection at the lowest cost. Now, another important thing lastly to look for is the active ingredients zinc oxide or titanium dioxide for safe, broad spectrum protection. You want at least a 7% concentration of either one. Now, for more information on sunscreen recommendations and other parent-friendly eco-tips, visit ecosavvymoms.com or visit us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash ecosavvymoms. And don't forget to make it a green day. That wraps up today's episode. We'd love to hear from you. If you have questions for our expert about today's show or the topics we discuss, call our Parent Savers hotline at 619-866-4775 or send us an email through our website, parentsavers.com, or our Facebook page, and we'll answer your question in an upcoming episode. Coming up next week, we're talking about baby-proofing our homes. Thanks for listening to Parent Savers, empowering new parents everywhere. This has been a new mommy media production. The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only. Statements and opinions expressed in this episode are not necessarily those of New Mommy Media and should not be considered facts. While such information and materials are believed to be accurate, it is not intended to replace or substitute for professional medical advice or care and should not be used for diagnosing or treating health care problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, please seek assistance from a qualified health care provider. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, mamas. Don't forget to check out Mighty Moms. It's our online community built for new moms just like you. Not only can you connect with other moms, but you can also join us backstage for special mom-only online events. And you'll also be notified when we're recording so you can join us as a special guest. Visit our website, newmommymedia.com, and click on the Mighty Moms banner. It's free. That's newmommymedia.com. See you there.